have you done the Laura Dern sitting challenge? Well, Max, you're you're really really being forward with this, just right off the bat, no bullshit. Huh? Let's jump in. Okay. Um. No, I'm not I'm, here to make friends. <laughs> I'm here to win. No, I have not. I you've just showed it to me, and I am. We just learned about this. This is breaking news. This is going to be the next. Um, I don't know. What's the last challenge that made you hurt yourself to do it? This is like the ALS one. The one where you get ALS? That sounds like a really no, bad the one challenge, the ice, Max. The ice yeah. bucket challenge. This is going to be the next ice bucket challenge. And we'll raise money for us. Yeah, for, for Lord the Lord Dern's Dern's podcast. Fan podcast. What if do you unauthorized? We, we, should, might, we should make that. We clear. should reach out to her people and have this be like the official Laura Dern sanctioned podcast. Um, I think as it stands, we are the official unofficial. Write down to contact her people, contact. and this is not a bit. I'm going to do this. This this may be the last time you hear from us as we will get cease and desist. Oh, she's going to murk us up real bad. Herself, yeah. too. She's not going to hire people. Yeah, she's going to show up and uh, beat Nick with a billy club. With her powerful arms. They're so long and strong. She is. She's like a giant fulcrum. Right? She gets a lot of leverage. <laughs> and which leads into, I think it certainly has to do with her, her body type that is part of what makes the Laura Dern sitting challenge... So perfect. Yes. So to describe this a little bit, this is from the film Jurassic Park. Yes, of course, um, when she goes into the ice cream eating room for the ice cream eating scene, where this billionaire talks about his flea circus, obviously, (laughs) Um, she sits down in a very peculiar way that I can't believe I never noticed. (laughs) She sort of, she approaches a a regular-sized circular table, and sort of extends both of her arms straight out. Did you do the sit and reach as a child in gym class? Did you go to a public school? Did you have like I, the presidential fitness test? Sit, do you mean just Were they like, still doing that post 9 11? I don't know. I guess. I think in middle school we did it like once, but I don't even know if it was real. They might have just called a day of gym that. Um, do you mean like you just sit and you reach towards your toes? Yes. That was one of the yeah. things you had to do was try to sit and reach as far as you could with your legs extended. Yes. So Dern does that. She reaches her hands out and goes as far as she can onto the table. An alternative um, example of this would be a hot babe washing a car. She huh. like reaches out like as you were reaching towards the windshield and then she pulls back and goes down. Right, but maybe with a little more focus but on she, where her hands are going, exactly. like a and diver. She's dressed as an archaeologist, of course. Yes. How I want any babe watching a car. Greens and browns. Oh, yeah. Just so nice. Army, no, navy, navy green. And then she sort of, she does like this Pilates move um, where after reaching out, she, she rolls back. So she extends her, her arms straight, parallel to the table, her neck down, her eyes facing the table. And then rolls up and then sits normally. And no one ever mentions it. Not John Hammond. That was the only person in the room. But the one person in the room says nothing about her insanity. Probably because he's busy watching his entire life crumble. Probably because he's a selfish billionaire. But I I feel like we've done that I was going to mention that, but I couldn't think of an eloquent way to put it. I couldn't even say the word put, so, you know. We, we don't strive for eloquence here. We don't. We're just... we. It ain't much, but it's honest work. 
Speaking of honest work, um, this week in the Laura Dern is a corporate shill corner, <laughs> we're going to look at her Instagram from five days ago, and it's her in a nice red shirt leaning up against an Audi. And by leaning, I mean she's in a position as, as if if her elbow were touching the car, it would make sense, but she's not. So she's just leaning on air near a car. Oh, yeah, that is... And, uh... and she's basically saying, like, I'm so happy in England driving to work in this electric car. And then it's, like, hashtag Audi UK or something like that. <laughs> Audi UK. And it's not technically a sponsored post, but you can tell it is. Either yep. that... I mean, on the alternative, maybe she just got this car to use and she's thanking them. Because that would be a really nice thing to do for Laura Dern. But also... It is strange maybe. that she would, like cut most of the car out of the post. That's, it is mostly about her now that I think about it. Hmm. This Laura Dern and E-Girl. Shadows This question. week's poll. <laughs> How about, what if in this episode we just introduce like 18 new segments and from here on out we were super structured? Like Corporate Chill Corner, this week's poll. Laura Dern and the E-Girl, alright. Laura Dern's eye color, what is it? This week we discuss brown. <laughs> Oh, man. And as we sit here, we're both drinking some pumpkin beer, because it's pumpkin season now. Yep, that's right. The last day of August. Yeah. Everyone knows. It, yeah, I mean, tomorrow starts fall. Right. I, I started Halloween celebrations a month and a half ago, so I'm excited for dead leaves to fall out of my ass. What can I say? <laughs> uh, will you be saying rabbit, rabbit tomorrow morning? Sorry, there was something crazy in my ear. Could you repeat that? I don't know what you're talking about. Is that like a thing from the, a movie? The, that's a thing from my childhood and from many others. Many listeners, I'm sure. Let yeah, us okay. know if many you people grew up in so, that cult. Celebrate you grew up in. rabbit, rabbit. If on the first of the month, on the first day of the month, if the first thing you say upon waking is rabbit, rabbit, then you will receive buena suerte throughout the month. La mes. Um, good luck. Are you sure you're not supposed to say rabbit rabbit in the I don't know how to say just... rabbit in Spanish um, Nor does this have anything to do with Spanish culture as far as I'm aware If you can hear my keys, I'm looking up rabbit in Spanish It is conjeta 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 or conjeto, depending on masculine or feminine Right Conjeto um, Conjeta, like, conjeta that's, that's such a powerful word to like hold up a rabbit and just say like Conjeta and in English is just rabbit. Like in Spanish is so much better. Yeah, Spanish is better. The guy, there's a really short cook in the kitchen at my current job, and he's Spanish, and he just he's great because he just yells curse words in Spanish like a chant all the time. He'll just be like punta, 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 and making burgers. Nice. And I'm like that guy's fun. Yeah. I like fun short guys. I think his name's Miguel, actually. Miguel! Which is coincidental, because the man who cooks at the restaurant not a block from here is named Miguel, and we have a friend named Miguel. Wow. Yeah. All, the, all so those many Miguels. Did you know that it's Spanish for Michael? Is it? I think. It might be Jose. I don't know. Um, well, when I look up Miguel, all I get is the singer Miguel, and I don't care about that, so we're going to drop this I also don't know who topic. that is. I'm going to come back, or I'll talk about another Miguel during a later segment. Miguel Sanchez? I'm not going to tell That's you. That's not the or... celebrity I was thinking of. Nope. Anyway. Um, so what's up? What else is going on? We got some time to kill, probably. <sighs> yeah, sure, why not? This is our time. Let's milk the Down pot. here. <laughs> 
uh, Corey Feldman was molested. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. I almost too, met too, him once. Too soon, too man. Soon. <sighs> I'm just thinking of dumb things now. I'm like, imagine if you made a joke about Lincoln getting assassinated. And someone was like, hey, man, too soon. Oh, speaking of, I was just there. In you, Washington. You were in Ford's Theater? I was near Ford's Theater. Oh, I was cool. on the same block. It's a neat theater. I was. It was pointed out by my friend I was staying with. Um, but I was in Washington, D.C. for the March on Washington. Ah, cool. Was MLK there this year? Ooh. That feels... What? <laughs> that, feels, that feels like my level of offensiveness, and I'm very uncomfortable hearing it from you. I don't know what you're talking... Wouldn't it be cool if he just like came back like a ghost because all this shit is going on, and he was like saying all the stuff he actually said and not just, like, the three quotes white people like. <laughs> That'd be so good if you just, like, rose up like a... That would be cool. Like a, the Star... When, <laughs> when you die in the Star Wars universe and you become one of those blue ghosts. <laughs> if it was a blue ghost MLK just, like, on the Lincoln Memorial. That would be pretty cool. I know. All right. Malcolm X can come. I think Muhammad Ali could come, I guess. Who are all the black... You got um, Fred Hampton. Like the ghosts of the you civil rights that Marcus would like come back Garvey. to lead the ghost revolution, which is what I'm going to call it. Fred Hampton leading the charge. True. Do you know about Fred Hampton? I do. I know the name and like I know some glaring, glancing. I will, if you were listening to this podcast and you do not know who Fred Hampton just is. Just stop listening. We're garbage. Do it. And go listen That's to Fred Hampton. Infinitely more important. Go listen to Fred Hampton's podcast. Fred Hampton was a young, I think he was 21 when he was murdered by the FBI, um, assassinated, uh, and was an up-and-coming, wonderful, brilliant, charismatic leader of the Black Panthers, and he was beginning to unite the various racial gangs in Chicago um, against a common cause, which was their shared struggle. Um, and he was, uh, killed in his sleep by the FBI and shot a bunch of times, and it's really fucked and sad, and go read about him. Speaking and of Ronald Reagan. The U.S. government did that. That was pre-Reagan. Oh, no, I'm, no, I'm gonna talk about Ronald Reagan for Please. a minute. First of all, it's his, his grave... his airport. Oh my god. That's crazy. Anyway. Sorry, my brain just stopped for a second. Um, Ronald Reagan's bathroom is a gender-neutral toilet. Ronald Reagan's grave is a... Just forget all this. All I was going to say is that Ronald Reagan fought um, gun rights in California so the Black Panthers couldn't have guns. Fought which is for crazy. gun rights. Yes, yes, sorry. He fought... No, he fought against gun rights when he was the governor of California because he didn't want the Black Panthers and just the black community in general to have he, guns. Right. He, he, California was the first state to pass major comprehensive became, uh, gun control legislation... Led by Reagan, but I do also think, right, that California also had um, a lot of the liberalism that it is known for today. True. And much of that liberalism was probably pretty okay with, hey, maybe these scary-looking black men shouldn't have guns, which was, of course, done uh, only to protect themselves and their communities from a racist and violent system. So don't put it all on Reagan, but yeah, also... Fuck Reagan. Yeah, um, he's just... Are Maggie Thatcher? Yeah, and I'm gonna stay a better, a better actor, I presume. Yeah, I don't. I think she was um, a stiff. I think is what the British would call her. <laughs> oh no, I think there's some other words the British would call her. <laughs> the amount of ridiculous real life partying that happened when she died was something I 
relish so much. It's true. Uh, that was a big day for me. If I could go to any one party day in the world, it would be the day Maggie Thatcher died in, like, downtown London. <laughs> people singing me, songs. No, you're going to want to be in... Ireland? With Manchester? What's the real industrial one? I think it's Manchester. Man, go to Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Get with those, those, those like, steel workers. Those brawny, um... Pim- Pims? No. There's Pimps. A- Stop that. There's a British word for, like, mine workers, but I can't think of it. Queen... Wait. Uh, <laughs> queens. Queens. The queens of the... The dirt land. queens. <laughs> dirt queen is a gay crust punk. Anyway. <laughs> is that... Uh, did you just make that I up? did. That's it's very good. Write you. that down. We got a dirt potential queen. title that's in the running. Dirt queen, gay, how about that? Anyway. Yeah, pretty, you know... Things are going. Life's moving on. Coronavirus is still don't rampant. Don't asking. I was. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't want to go right into the thing, but I wanted to just have some life affirming stuff. Oh, not gonna fly. Nah. What have you been up to, Nick? I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I cleaned my bathroom today. How um, deep did you go? Pretty deep. I vacuumed it. I scrubbed the floor. I like cleaned the toilet because there was a lot of stuff in and on it okay did you have any scrubbing bubbles involved in this um i had a spray i think it was kaboom shazam and some windex okay shack comes out whoa shack i do love those little scrubbing bubbles he'd be good at cleaning the bathroom because his hands are so big that if he just put like paper towels on his hands and he like went over a toilet he could just get the whole thing in like one blow Uh, oh I just got a notification that Laura Dern shared a photo right now, and I was like, oh my god, what are the odds? But it's just letting me know that her Audi ad is still there. <laughs> That's a little sketch, if you ask me. Her people are listening. They are. Hey, Dern's people. Hi. Yeah, Shaq could clean a bathroom really well. Yeah. I think I'd that goes without saying. It. Well, I mean, he could clean the top. The It might hurt his back. To get the floor. He has maids, but he won't let them clean the bathroom. That's his job. Well, the ceiling he can get, right, better than most. Except he might have 20-foot ceilings in his bathroom. He might. Imagine. Bathroom. As if Shaq has one bathroom. Imagine, like, a half bath that's, like, just (laughs) just big enough for the toilet and the sink. But it's, like, 20 feet high. And the sink is normal height, but the mirror is, like, all the way at the top. <laughs> or just a really long mirror. Oh, my God. I actually love that. Yeah. That that would be the perfect place to display one of those stretching paintings from the um, Haunted Mansion yes, at Disney. exactly. If you were to just get your hands on one. Let's say you were Chris Hardwick. I've got a couple. <laughs> just one or two Lying in the basement. Around. Kicking around. Fold them up. Roll them up with my tapestry. I keep it in the same... In the same corner, I keep the Ark of the Covenant in. <laughs> the, um, yeah, once once Nick turns into a moneyed eccentric who gets to like, design I'd, his own wacky house. I'd say about five years. Yeah, you, you're well on your way. <sighs> Got a lot of irons in the fire. I really do. We call him Business Nick here at Dern HQ. Uh, that's what they call me when I come in every morning drinking my mug of coffee. It's true. I walk in the door with a mug, and they're like, where'd you get that? And I'm like, none of your business. He's always reading the Sunday funnies. I am. I Wait, have, not Sunday. Damn I have it. my own full newspaper printed that's just Sunday funnies. 
but it's also but it's also from 35 years ago (laughs) oh heathcliff just a good old kathy oh kathy she's so sad is she I thought she was sad. Wasn't that the whole gimmick? She was sad and ate chocolate. I think Kathy was above it all. Maybe. How about him, Dilbert? Isn't that bad? Yeah. Like the guy that writes it. Oh, yeah. He's like a libertarian nut job. I feel like we've talked about Scott Adams on this program. Probably. We we actually talk about Dilbert every week. We just always forget. (laughs) I saw a new Dilbert. Can't believe I just said that out loud for people that listen to us. Um, and it, they had masks on. I was like, that's weird. Oh, wow. But yeah. Also, I, I've not been keeping up with the Sunday funnies. I'm sure I, that they're doing that now. They like, all have talking masks. about COVID. Yeah. Garfield has a mask. Odie's got like a big mask on his Odie big has a Halloween face. mask on, and Garfield's Aww. like, Odie. John's still Shh. trying to mack it to the vet. I think. But she's. Are they like married? Or are they still that just can't dating? be. No, sad John Arbuckle never. You can't put. You can't. Uh, no, Liz. You can't tie, John one hundred percent never got with Liz. You can't tie John down. Possible. He's a free spirit. He is not. No, he, he is a motorcycle. John is in. John's a sad man. Oh yeah, no. John does not drive a motorcycle. You don't know. I haven't read Garfield in some time. But I do know. The original John actually died and they had to replace him. <laughs> so now he's like a cooler John. He's like Poochie. Hip John Arbuckle. Hip John Arbuckle. Uh, I thought of something a few minutes ago and now it's just... Don't you hate when that happens? Gone in either. Well, while I try to bring that minutes. back, how about we do what this show's about? Also, what's this show called, Max? Dern After Reading. Whoa. What a cold open, folks. That was Man. a Mark Marin-level cold open. Yep. Mark a- Marin Marin. 18 sauce. minutes, which it turns out will be quite appropriate. We'll learn very shortly. <sighs> 18 minutes. Is that- Here on Dern After Reading... Is that what? I was the cumulative amount of my, time I've had sexual intercourse in my life, roughly. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say, um, if the bus goes under eighteen minutes an hour, it'll explode. <laughs> and then I was like, no, that's dumb. Don't say it. And then you said, say it. So here we are. Um, this is Darren after reading. I'm Max. This is Nick. Hi. We're glad to have you here in Welcome. this intimate setting. Where I, we we're glad you took the two week quarantine so you could listen to this podcast. <laughs> Very important. Uh, please, if you are listening, make sure you send us your test results. Also, just a quick little side note. Not, not that we've ever taken a side note on this show, but I would like to thank all of our listeners in. Let's see. Japan, Norway, Germany, Canada, and the United States. Konnichiwa. Um, Norway, hello. How do you say hello in French? Uh, Bonjour. Bonjour. And what's German? Um, Guten Tag. Hola. Guten Morgen, maybe. Guten Morgen. Sure. Kindergarten. So, so yeah, thanks for listening to this dumb show. If this is your only representation of America, we are so sorry. No, we're not. No, we're pretty cool. We're pretty proud. We're like the pe- people would listen to us and be like, oh, America's pretty cool. And then they come here and be like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. They're doing what to your post office? <laughs> your president oh, looks the like post that. Office. <sighs> we're so fucked. I was trying to think of the British guy's name, and all I could think of was Boris Karloff. 
but I, I know it's let's like call Boris, him that. Boris Johnson. It is he Boris looks Johnson. funny. He looks like Bam Bam. He does. He looks like he looks like if Daffy Duck and like Gary Busey at his worst. He looks like if the title character Rocky Horror from the Rocky Horror Picture Show just like let himself go for forty years. He looks like. Boomer Esiason with a meth problem? You won't understand that reference. I don't, you're young but I not trust a sports it's fan, hilarious. But it's a pretty good one. Um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's funny looking. He is. And that's, and that's my favorite to thing talk about. about. And I'm sure all the German listeners are ha ha ha-ing about that. Because yeah, they the love making fun Germany, of Germany. Britain. He's, you know, he's England. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't really care. Don't listen to the words we say. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's time for a big, big, dern. big dern, big one, big old dern. So my film this week was uh, 2010's "Everything Must Go," starring Will Ferrell and directed by Dan Rush. Ooh. This one, have you seen this movie? I don't think I have, and I did mean to watch it. I just didn't. Okay. But I will watch it after this. It is... Well... Oh, maybe it not. It is in... It's definitely in that that first decade of the new millennium kind of mumblecore genre. Mm. And it's about... So we meet Will Ferrell. He is... Oh, you got to meet Will Ferrell? Yeah. He's cool. tall. He is. He's a very tall man. He's going gray now. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. Good, I'm glad. Time is wearing against him. <laughs> um, so we learn in the opening scene that he is was some sales manager, regional manager of a large company, and is being let go for some drinking-related incident. <laughs> Haven't we all? His, um... <laughs> not all of us. That's <laughs> fine. I've quit for a drinking related incident. Got drunk and said, screw this, I don't want this job anymore. Hey, uh, Take uh, this job and shove it. That's a great song by Johnny Paycheck, who killed a man for almost no reason. Really? Did He's you know, as cool as his did, persona? He was like at a bar and these two like dudes were just like, Ugh, your song's stupid. And then he pulled out a gun and killed one of them. Uh, and he died in jail. And this man is named Johnny Paycheck. Although that is a great song. Fucking cool. Not to. Although, don't although like it's, but he's cool. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. That's pretty cool. There is a great episode of that one podcast that goes into deep cuts about music, the name of which is escaping me right now. But it talks about him and the whole story. And the way they like tell the stories is very like, it'll tell the story and then go into like a, um, like almost like a re. Reenactment. Reenactment, yes. It'll kind of like pull in and out of a reenactment in a storytelling sense. It's a really cool show, which the name of which is Disgraceland. Disgraceland. Very good show. And every April 1st, they do a music, conspe- like a music um, falsehood, but they do a, an episode as if it were real. The, the uh, last year of which. Like Ozzy Osbourne eating a bat. Not quite. More like um, John Denver kill JFK. Okay? Oh. Which is a real. Um, theory that has a lot of story to it, but it's obviously not real. But the episode, I didn't realize, was a joke, so I listened to it, and by the end of it, I was like, oh my fucking god, John Denver killed the president. And then he played the outro music, and then came back and said, ah, April Fools! And I threw my phone across the room. Sorry. 
I got very heated about that. You threw my phone across the room. It hit JFK square in the face. What if his head just did that? Like, what if it wasn't a gun or a bullet? (laughs) Think about that one. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. God damn it. Um, this is a place you've gone from Proud Boy to QAnon in <laughs> just a few short And just months. to dig myself another hole, I was watching Annie Hall the other night, and I thought it was hilarious that he can't have sex with his girlfriend because he's so focused on the JFK assassination. <laughs> is that what happened? Yeah, he's, his um, new girlfriend who's played by that woman with the face, the woman who plays the ghost of New Year's past in Scrooged. I don't know her I name off the top recall. of my head. Anyway, she's like his in his girlfriend, I think, before Annie Hall, or maybe like in the okay. interim when they're not seeing each other, but then they go sure, back. Sure, sure, sure. And she's like, like, like in twelve year old girl, right? No, oh, no, it was that's, different. Yeah, but oh, no, that was not real his life. real, not his that's adopted re- daughter. Real yeah, life relationship. Yes. Was so anyway. Yes, he married his adopted child. That's okay. not what I'm talking. About. Okay. Um. But yeah, he she's in bed like I want to have sex, and he's like walking around the apartment like with playing with like touching his head, and he's like I don't understand the, and he's like talking about how the whole Warren report is fake, and I was like, wow, that's like every person that listens listens to last podcast on the left. Oh, it's true, yeah. Um, so yeah, I love a good Kennedy conspiracy. George H. W. Bush might have been involved. Oh, for sure. Not the first time I've Woody thrown Harrelson's out that tasty dad morsel. was almost definitely involved. Lee Harvey Oswald shot John Denver. That's why his plane went down. All right, let me talk about my movie. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go let ahead. me talk about my movie. I won't interrupt anymore with any long-winded stories. So Will Ferrell gets fired um, for some drinking-related inc- incident. He gets fired by his supervisor, played by Dennis Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Mr. Hmm. Glenn Howerton. And that is the beginning... I mean, almost just seeing him be firing Will Ferrell really sums up this character. Like a sad, old guy who's... The American dream has not, uh, you know... He didn't he didn't get his share of the bargain, it seems. And this younger man is firing him. Um, we don't learn why he was... We don't learn about the incident yet. Um, but, so he gets fired for drinking, for this incident, and on his way out, he puts a pocket knife, he stabs out, uh, Dennis Reynolds' tire of his Mustang with a pocket knife that has his name engraved on it. Um, then he gets home. Alright, so already rough day. That's not a great day. Rough day. So, oh, before he gets home, he goes to, like, the, the quick stop or whatever and, and gets some some beer, some PBR tall boys, and a case of beer. And then he gets to his house, and now uh, he sees everything he owns on his yard. Just out there in his yard on, like, a cul-de-sac. So what you're saying is everything must go. Don't. Stop it. How dare you? Um, yeah, as it turns out, there, there will get some yard sale-ness involved here. Um, so there's a note from his wife that's like, hey, I heard about the incident. You're, don't call me. And then he's like leaving her a sad message, like, come back. Please. And everything he owns is on the lawn. He's slugging PBR tall boys. He's sitting in his recliner on the middle of his lawn. And then, like, the sprinklers come on and they're just <laughs> destroying all his shit. Uh, 
Um, he goes to get more beer and his credit cards. It's like he's been frozen out of his bank account, his joint account. And then he comes back home. Um, oh, he takes a neighbor's bike because he couldn't find his keys to his car. Comes back home. His car, which was a company car, has now been taken by the company. So, old Will Ferrell's on a bit of a life tilt here. As He's they going say. through some changes. Yeah. And uh, it was funny, we had an 18-minute intro, and I brought that up because this was the introduction of Sad Man's Sad Life was 18 minutes long. I was like, how, how long are they just going to keep digging this? Like, and now the credit card. <laughs> there goes the card. It's like, he's, he already lost his job. His wife left him and his shit's on the lawn. He's, oh, he's locked out of the house because she changed the locks. Um, she works fast. And then they, like, go for another 12 minutes just digging, <laughs> which is, it felt like a bit much. But this is based on a short story, so I feel like they needed to pad it a little bit. That's true. We'll come back to that. So we meet a couple characters um, from the neighborhood. We have Kenny, a young boy, maybe uh, 13, 14, um, who's sort of a latchkey kid. His mom's not around. And he, him and Will Ferrell end up, end up developing this sort of friendship on the lawn. This movie, like, Will Ferrell's going to be living on that lawn for the rest of the movie. Um Kenny is played by C.J. Wallace, who is the son of Christopher Notorious B.I.G. Wallace. Um, the He's a, a rap musician. I, I'm sorry. The way you said his name confused me. So he so he was a rapper. Do you I, know I, about rap? I, Do you know about up, hip-hop? I, I have a hip-hop playlist. I enjoy it very much. I just... Um, Usually people just say Biggie Smalls instead of what you said. Sure. Well, the actors, the young child's name is C.J. Wallace, which stands for Christopher Wallace, Christopher Jr. Wallace. There is a so great felt appropriate. There is a great documentary interview clip of his mother, and she basically says, "As you could probably tell, Christopher didn't miss any meals growing <laughs> up." No, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Um, uh, and C.J. Wallace is great. He's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Well, how old was he in this movie? Um, okay, well, he, the old, youngest he could have been, his father died in 1997, in March of 97, <coughs> so it's like nine months off of that, would be June of 96, would have been the conception and this came out in 2010, let's say, um, shot in 2009, would put uh, Christopher Wallace at roughly 13. Okay. And that's, I, that, I mean, he's, he's probably. Dates and such, I was. He's probably like 15 years old. Um, he, was, he was certainly a, a wee young lad when his father passed away. Um, and then the a woman across the street, Samantha, who has just moved in. And she is uh, pregnant, not like hugely pregnant, but a little ways along. Um, she is just someone Will Ferrell ends up interacting with in various ways throughout the movie, and they develop a sort of friendship. And then we've got, so the police show up. They're like, hey man, you're <laughs> drunk on a lawn, like we've had calls. And he's like, just call Detective Frank Garcia. 
Frank Garcia. Frank Garcia. And so Detective Frank Garcia comes down, and it's Michael Pena, who you may know from the somewhat underrated 2004 Best Picture winner, Crash. Oh, I know this guy. Yeah, He's Michael a very Pena. funny actor. Yeah, you'd know him in a lot of stuff. It's like Ant-Man. Yes. And he is, we learn, is the sponsor, uh, the AA sponsor of Will Ferrell. And he's talking, so now we get a little backstory. And this is when, this is the part of the, the movie I like, is learning, we get early on that, like, Will Ferrell fucked up, but we don't know the details. And the way they fill it in, I like, because... It humanizes and I think is very much a part of this story. And if we think then what most of what takes place is like kind of how he responds to this very, very fucking rock bottom. And that is less interesting to me thematically. But I like what how this now colors in the backstory. And so we learn that he knows this detective because he's his sponsor from AA. Will Ferrell is obviously not sober. And we learn that his wife, his ex-wife who left, yes. is in fact sober. And is coming up on a year of sobriety, and Will Ferrell is very much not. And so we learn that, and already, I mean that, you get some inkling of why his relationship didn't work out. If he's just, like, getting just, like, obliterated throughout this time. One thing I didn't like about this, and it's something I think a fair number of movies will do when you're, especially when your lead is like a drinker, has a drinking problem, mm-hmm. is that he's never drunk in the movie, right? It's like he he's drinking and he's sad, but it's sort of this redemption arc, so he's still like lovable and kind, and there's never the scene where he's just like, like slurring his words, just like passed out while like Kenny, the neighbor kid... Biggie's son is just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, yeah, because that's too real. People would be like, oh, that reminds me of Uncle Jack, and then they won't laugh. And that is a little too real, and I think it's where this movie comes up a little short, is that it it tries to be real, but pulls back in the ways it could have been more real. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so Kenny wants... He wants to, like, play catch with Will Ferrell, which feels a little on the nose. Yeah, you right? know. Right? Like, come on. All right. He needs a father figure. Um, you are dead now. Oh, and so the the police detective, his sponsor, says, hey, look, I bought you three days. You're allowed to have a yard sale for up to three days on your lawn. Like, then you can't be living on your lawn anymore. Just, you gotta put up, put up some for sale signs, basically. And his first sale, he sells um, like a half-used thing of mouthwash and <laughs> dental floss for fifty cents. Um, That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> which is again life tilts. Um, then we get then we get the more revealing story of what happened, what his incident was, and this comes up with a shared scene with samantha the neighbor woman who we learn there's like sort of this romance and you wonder if a romance will be there but you don't want there to be because like this guy does not have his shit together and is a big fuck up and much older and there's not much attractive i think about someone living on their lawn um and thankfully we don't get one but there are times when they kind of get a tiny bit of like will they want they um 
But Samantha comes over and they're eating in the yard. And we learn about Will Ferrell's alcoholic dad. Hmm. And what happened is, and he reveals the story of what occurred. And it was, he was six months sober. He and his wife were both doing well in meetings. And he was at a company retreat in Denver. And someone cracked open some champagne. And he said, sure, why not? And then, like, him and one woman just kept, like, bottles and bottles just kept going all night. And he says, when I woke up, she was gone from my hotel room and then the lawyers and the questions and um right obviously some bit of presumably sexual impropriety on his um by will ferrell and samantha says like well did you do it he's like i don't know honestly i don't know um which is humanizing and telling and it feels appropriate and i like that they threw it in there because it was like yeah this guy clearly did something right like he he's in this position and like that's that means he's not all lovable nice guy to the kid and the neighbor like there are some consequences that will extend to others if this is his kind of behavior um so we learn that's what happened and then he's flipping through kind of him and the kid have sort of this nostalgia-esque kind of he's looking through his old stuff and telling the kids stories and he comes across like a high school yearbook Mm -hmm. and he's flipping through and there's one entry that says like hey you're a diamond in the rough like call me over the summer with a phone number and this is high school yearbook from god knows how long before and it's a woman a girl at the time named delilah Literally everyone's worst nightmare is somebody actually taking them up on what they wrote in their high school year. Yes. And that's exactly what he does. Oh, no. And so he calls that number and Delilah's parents answer and he ends up showing up at Delilah's house. And Delilah is played by none other than, say it with me, three, two, one, Laura Laura Dern. Dern. Yeah. That was good. And... Chills. I have chills. (laughs) Um, So she... Greets him at the door. He's he's a bit of a mess. He's got like a sweat stain, and he's like, "Hey, uh, it's the universal Hollywood sign for being a mess." Yes, yeah, sweat stain. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, he's like at the door, and she's talking with him, a little bit nervous and unsure. And she goes, she goes, um, "Oh well." We're going to have... She was like, I'm just making dinner for the kids. Uh, we're going to have it outside if you want to join us. And it's clear that she doesn't want him. And she's like willing to entertain his presence and speak with him, but won't let him in the house, which feels like about what he's... What he deserves or is worth. Um, and then she's like, come on, kids, we're having dinner outside to like make it painfully obvious that that wasn't planned. Um... We don't get much Jern. It's really just this scene. She lived in L.A. for a bit. She was in a commercial with Brad Pitt. Ooh. Um, and it's clearly... And she says, and this is very sad, you know, kind of after this sort of small talk catch-up kind of thing, she's like, all right, so, like, what are you doing here? Like, what, what the hell is going on? And she says, well, we weren't really 
friends in high school. Like, this wasn't even a close high school friend that drifted. This was just whoever. (laughs) Someone from one class. The person who picked up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that's sort of it. And she, like, wishes him well and hopes the best. And that's the end of our time with Delilah Dern. Mm -hmm. And... That feels good and fine, because it would have felt completely fucking bullshit for anyone to, like, even if it's just a friendship, to, like, begin that friendship in that moment. Um, And so then we get another convo with Will Ferrell and Samantha, the neighbor, and it gets kind of heated, because now he's, like, talking about where he's at in life, and he says... And this line I loved, he says, I'm no different than any of you, I just don't hide in my house. And what he's saying here is that, like, everyone's life is fucked up. Look on this cul-de-sac, and it's like... And we get, like, a couple other neighbors, small little bit parts throughout, who's like, Stan's wife blew her brains out last year, and, and he says to this woman, he's like, let me guess, like, your husband got relocated with his job and got like demoted and he's not here and what kind of guy leaves his pregnant wife on the other side of the country while he's like waiting to move out here he's basically like your life sucks too and it's very poignant and you get a sense like she's angry rightfully so but you get a sense that like he's kind of right in some ways he's right yeah and um, so we, we get to see those problems with her, kind of learn about her. He talks about how the Kenny, the, the kid, he was like, Kenny's, you know, his mom's never around. He's like, what, what am I missing out on? Where did I fuck up? If like, I'm, I'm sitting on my lawn, but this is all of us. Um, and then, and so then we get, then Kenny kind of pushes him to like really sell his stuff. And make it everything must go. And Kenny's very a very good salesman. <laughs> so throughout, Will Ferrell kind of peppers like little like sales maxims to Kenny, and the kid like picks up on it really well. And it's it's fun and nice and sweet. Um, and he sort of he learns after Will Ferrell in that way. They have a catch. Will Ferrell has a ball, a baseball signed by the '78 Yankees, but Kenny oh, doesn't cool. know who they are. Huh. Um, and then there's, like, a nice dinner with Kenny and Will Ferrell and Samantha and at a restaurant. And Will Ferrell, I have no idea what his character's name is, <laughs> goes to the bathroom and sees Dennis from Always Sunny in the bathroom. Oh. And he's, like... He's kind of drunk, so he's telling more than he should. But he's like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, yeah, you know, same old shit at the company. Oh, by the way, that woman, you know, the one with the whole hotel thing. He's like, yeah, they let her go. He's like, why? And he's like, oh, she lied and said the same shit about two other people at her job before that. And it's like, it's suggesting that Will Ferrell probably didn't do what he was accused of. Um... And he's like, hey, if you, if you hadn't stabbed your supervisor's Mustang with your pocket knife, you might have your job back. Like, oh, funny how life works, huh? Um, which is interesting, because one, it, like, lets Will Ferrell off the hook when the little we've known about his character 
Right, the fact is he doesn't know if he did, let's say, rape this woman. Probably what he's accused of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he admits that he doesn't know. And so to get the reveal that he didn't feels like cheating. It feels like good guy when in fact he could have. And there's nothing about him personally that we're shown to suggest that he definitely would not have in that situation. Again, because we never see him hammered even though he's drinking the whole first two acts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a little like cheap kind of points for our uh, the main character that didn't feel deserved. Um, but also sort of to the theme of how this could be anyone or he's just a stand-in for so many people behind closed doors is that like fate will can screw people in this way. So I get that as like a theme. That it was just sort of bad luck, but he already had a drinking problem before that, and blah, blah, blah. Um, then we learn that his ex-wife is sleeping with his sponsor, Detective oh. Frank Garcia, which oh, is no. just a knife twist to end it out. Um, and then we get our conclusion, and he li- he leaves um, he leaves his old Playboy's. In a box. So he gets everything off the lawn. The sponsor gives him the keys and divorce papers for courtesy of his wife. And so he's back in his house. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he wasn't allowed in his house this whole time would don't dwell and on it. Was she living in there? Or? No, she was with, she was with the sponsor. I don't like that at all. Yeah, we never see that her. just seems petty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we never see her. Um, which I do like as a choice that like, yeah. it's about him, um, and has less to do with her. But so he leaves the one neighbor, his playboys, when his wife shot her brains out. Oh, there was a scene with that guy in a dominatrix at one point. It was just played for laughs. Um, he leaves Samantha, I don't know, some shit, his vinyls, his record uh-huh. collection. And he leaves Kenny, the 78 Yankees baseball. And so it's it's suggested that maybe he's getting his shit together and all he's got to do is like, you know, he's met these two nice people and they've developed a friendship of sorts and he'll be moving on. And uh, Samantha gives him, she's a photographer, he had given her an old antique camera that his mom had. Like, like antique, but like a vintage, vintage Polaroid camera. Yeah. And she took a picture of him, and they ate Chinese food, and he said, wait, take the fortune cookie. And so she gave him the picture with the fortune she got taped to it that said, everything is not yet lost. Um, and uh-huh. that's sort of, it's nice, it feels good, um, but at the same time, like, the him kind of giving the last of these possessions away... I think maybe deserves a darker ending and suggests a darker ending. I mean, it's yeah, like, this is a guy who in all likelihood is either going to drink himself to death and be dead within by the end of the year or go kill himself that day. Like that's really the vibe you get. And it had a lot to like. Will Ferrell did very, very well. The, uh, the acting was very well done. CJ Wallace was great. Um, and, the woman who played Samantha was quite good. But it did feel like, one, that 18 minutes of just, like, sad guy beat up. 
it felt too kind of let's put a bow on it and tie it up nicely than was deserved. But mm-hmm. I do like the theme of let's show right some guy who is the sales guy and kind of how the the pain and awful shit in that in the life of someone like that who presumably has a comfortable life or had a comfortable life. Um, now it's worth mentioning. This story is based on a short story, as I said, yes. by Raymond Carver. Do you know what other short... This is not the first time we've covered something based on Raymond Carver's Raymond short story. Carver. Because the, the film Shortcuts that I made you watch... Yes. ...with a bajillion different like couples in L.A. Was that... ...is based on multiple Raymond Carver short stories. Huh. And I did actually look up Why Don't You Dance just while you were talking mm-hmm. to get a look at it. It's very short. It's only like 1,600 oh, words, yeah. six pages. And I'd like to read the little synopsis of the story it was based on. Go for Because it. I think we can see where this film hit the same themes and did not. Um, so this is a 1977 short story called Why Don't You Dance? that this film is based on. Mm-hmm. It tells the story of a drinking man overseeing his yard sale. The reader gets the feeling that he may be selling all his possessions, looking to start life anew. A young couple stops by to select furniture for their new apartment. They haggle a little over prices and buy a TV and a bed. The drinking man tells the young girl to put a record on. When the music begins, the man asks the couple to dance. Uncomfortably, they comply. Then the drinking man dances with the young girl, and she says to him, you must be desperate or something. Several weeks later, the young girl is telling her friends about the man at his yard sale. She mocks the record player and records he gave them, saying, will you look at this shit? The story ends with her trying to make sense of the man's situation before quitting her wondering altogether. Huh. Which is sadder and better. Ooh. It's interesting that the story, what story they pulled out of that. Yes. Yeah. And... I lo- one thing I love about Shortcuts is it's thematically very in key. Right, that sounds like it could have been. Oh no, shortcuts. yeah, that sounds very. That could have been intertwined into the story so easily. Absolutely. In fact, the same book has the one of the fisherman finding the oh, the dead girl, gosh. and the Bring me back. and the two dudes murdering the young woman. Um, yeah. So that I feel like. This movie tries to put a happy ending on that story and tries to be like, oh, well, it was bad. Now it's good. You know, we hit rock bottom, but at least we're getting some evidence that he's taking the first step towards kind of getting it together. And he's still a guy we care about where that is much more raw. That is much more. One, it leaves the it doesn't let us have an opinion. Right in this movie, it's like, oh, Will Ferrell. Well, he's questionable but likable. Too likable, right? It kind of points us in that direction. Mm-hmm. And this, it's like this guy's creepy and weird and a drunk, and we don't know what's going on. I love the mystery of it, and I think the 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 thematically that that guy. That pe- no one gives a shit about that guy either. Like, that guy doesn't randomly find two people to build this good rapport with because that's so implausible. And I think to start with that story and kind of put eh, a more typically structured um, story 
with a redemption arc, meh, take it or leave it. So you can watch it. It's not it's not a bad bad movie. It's fine, um, but I'd love to get my hands on that short story. I have the feeling it is substantially better. It is super available on the internet, and I'm definitely going to read it before I watch the movie, because now I kind of just want to know. Yeah, don't even watch the movie. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah, I don't think you need to. Um, yeah, I just told you everything about it. It's kind of... It's whatever. If you want to see C.J. Wallace be a good child actor, sure. Hmm... Sorry, I'm just doing a quick little research for later in the show. Here we go. <sighs> Man. What a movie. Yeah. So, yeah. What now? What do we do? I feel that felt heavy. Yeah. That's the thing. It should have felt heavy. It yeah, didn't. Like, I, like I, I know, no longer... If I didn't have to just describe that movie, I never would have thought about it again. And that's indicative of how it came up short i don't i don't want to say that i was hope like i hoped for the best but like even in what you gave me like i still kind of hope he killed himself like in yeah. a weird way like for the story to have that ending that you expect absolutely i mean and he might have but we don't even get that it just sort of feels like that's the right right ending i know what i want <laughs> i know i want i want him to kill himself too um <sighs> Yeah, it's fine. I think there's much better, if I think about sort of mumblecore, for lack of a better descriptor. Jeff who lives at home. Anything the Duplass brothers did. This felt like poor man's man's Duplass in a big way. Um, It wanted to be an intimate character study, but sort of fell into the pitfalls of... um, just needing to make it feel good. And I wonder if there's, a, you know, a draft of this script that Raymond Carver would have liked a bit more and that the studio oh, studio imagine. cleaned it up and said, oh, well, let's give them a happy, you know, they, they don't want a sad ending. Let's give them a friendship, whatever. Um, I don't know what the process was to develop a full story like that. Anyway... What you got in those turns? Uh, between my turns this week, well, I watched Last Holiday, because it's a fantastic movie. It was Last Holiday. So um, it stars... Um, no, no, well... Oh, that's it's, Roman Holiday. That's Roman Holiday. It is based on a movie, movie from the 50s that I assume stars some starlet, but I didn't look into that. I watched The Good One from the 2000s, which stars LL Cool J, and none other than Queen Latifah. Okay, oh, alright. She plays just a mild-mannered woman who finds out she's dying, and then she takes out all her money and goes on an ex- expansive nice. European vacation, and she, like, meets a celebrity chef, and she's, like, the talk the talk of the town, of the hotel. And it's a really good movie, and I was in the car, and that song came on that was in the movie, and that's the reason I watched it later that day, it was just that, Adia. Say do you remember? Uh, you know the song that plays during any like hotel montage in a movie, right? Not the Will Smith version. No, no, no. Not the one from Independence Day. Maybe uh, is it na, not? Na, na, Galaxy Defender. No, no, no. It's it's the real one. But anyway, that wasn't what I was going to talk about. I just wanted sure. to bring that up. I have been on a huge '90s kick lately, 
Oh. And that 90s kick started with the best movie I've ever seen with a budget of $70.6 million starring Estelle Getty on the tail end of her Golden Girls fame. I present for your approval. Stop or my mom will shoot. Vaguely familiar. Oh boy, it's good. It is Sylvester Stallone. His mom is played by Estelle Getty. He's a detective and his mom comes to town. And she just meddles in his life because she's like a domineering Newark Italian oh, mom. Oh, yes. It was, I'd say the best movie I saw in all of August. <laughs> it was, oh, if you can get it, go get it. Because it is. Fair warning, it is frequently cited among the worst films ever made. I don't think that's Citation fair. needed, to be fair. I mean, it has a 4.3 out of 10 on IMDb, so... In 2006, in response to questions about films Stallone wished he had not done, this film was the first one he mentioned. That's just rude. It right, which says volumes, because Stallone has made some trash. Hey, he, was, he was not in the Expendables franchise at that point. Perhaps his ideals would have changed. <laughs> but yes, fantastic movie. It has some fantastic scenes. It's just a great little mom movie. She's just such a little old lady. She reminds me of my own grandmother. Yeah, your grandma's a little pistol. Nah, she's dead. But she was, like, very <laughs> similar in looks. She was like that little Italian grandma kind of deal. It was fun. Okay. And she also has brown hair in this, which is odd, because for the entire run of the Golden Girls, she had very stark white hair. Yeah. she played an old, And for old those, don't, those that don't know, she is the oldest of the Golden Girls characters playing the mother of one of them, right? But the her daughter was only two years younger than her. In real life. In real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was the one who was yes. made up to be an old, the old woman the of the old She woman. was like the mother who fell and broke her hip, and now she lives with them. Yeah, exactly. And in other 90s news, I watched the two... Or two of the more recent Brady Bunch movies, mm. which were absolutely bonkers. Are you new to these? I've never these seen are them. Two of my favorite movies. It has from my um, the dad from Talladega Nights, whose name escapes me. Gary Cole, maybe. Gary Cole. Him yeah. and um, Shelley Long, mm-hmm. who left Cheers to be in movies like this. Yes. And it's just so hilarious. It's like the Brady Bunch family, but in like the nineties. Yeah. And it's just like it's like um. Like, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Like, people playing out a really mean joke. Like, the way they live, just like, and they don't tell anyone. And, like, it's super sexualized, and, like, there's everything is, is a sex there's joke. all the sexual tension. And, and RuPaul is the guidance counselor, and, um, who's the middle That's girl? That's what I'm a cheerleader. No, no, he is the guy. He, he's this? the high school guidance counselor in full That's drag, right. and he says RuPaul. Th- no, she says RuPaul things. She's like, um, and you better work. And then it plays RuPaul <laughs> song. And in the second one, it's like RuPaul at the city pool, and she's just like, she's like, I know life can be a drag. So she's talking like divine talks yeah. in every John Waters movie. Jokes I didn't understand when I was ten. And it's so. And then in the second one, RuPaul has three daughters. And they're basically the archetype of the three daughters right, of, of the, the Brady, Brady Bunch. Bunch. So it's like a smaller one with braids and then like mm-hmm. a older, like prettier one with straightened hair. And she's mm-hmm. like combing it. And then the middle one is like, it's all about Martisha. Martisha, Martisha, Martisha. <laughs> Those movies, bonkers. Absolutely oh, yeah. bananas insane. I love them so much. I'm going to watch them a lot now. Mm-hmm. You got, let's see what I remember from And like there. in the first, I think in the second one too, but in the first one mainly there was a lot of um, repetition of the original Brady Bunch people coming back to play new characters. So, like, Alice the Maid played a truck driver. Um, 
the original Mrs. Brady came back and played their grandma. Their grandma. Also, right. who's the middle girl? Do you Jan? Jan. She is the most straight up schizophrenic schizophrenic in the movie, and it is hilarious. Because <laughs> like the way she has her inner voice, really? like it gets oh, very yeah, yeah. intense. And then in the second one, there's like a monster voice that's like <laughs> like knock over a liquor store, Jan. And it's, <laughs> I, I just loved when um oh, the talk about it for the days. evil ex husband. That's yes, the second one, guy from Animal House. Shows up. That the second one is also where the oldest brother and sister are have like incredible sexual tension and yep. are like, so does that mean we're not brother and sister anymore? <laughs> and they like, ooh, <sighs> yeah. I, now lot. I wonder why. Porn no, Hub imagine has the watching it when you were like eleven. With your family. It is warm in here, but like I'm sweating thinking about those movies. They are so good. They are. They're fantastic. Uh, I love that you saw those for the first time. But yeah, it was a whole time, and I'm so glad I've been experienced. I've been led into this experience of the '90s that I've missed up till now. Oh well, I'm pretty sweaty. What was between your derns this week? Um. Well, we've got you. You did '90s. I'm gonna take it back. Ooh. Further back to the 1980s. Ooh, love the 80s. Except new. This is something some of you may have already seen at this point, but a show that recently arrived on Netflix, um, but has been around for two seasons and is way better than I thought it would be. Cobra Kai. Do you know Ooh, about this? I do because my roommate is watching it right now, it's so I've seen great. some clips. It's wonderful. So Cobra Kai is. Um, mainly from the point of view, our main protagonist is the bad guy kid from Karate Kid, Johnny, Johnny Lawrence, whose Cobra Kai was the bad karate team, Mm -hmm. and he was the head villain of the team. Um, It's him, same actor, 35 years later, playing the same character 35 years later. And then we also, in fact, get... um, your boy from all your Dern movies, Ralph Macchio. Oh, Ralph Macchio. Um, as uh, a sort of, as another character is the Karate Kid grown up and he owns an auto dealership while Johnny is sort of down on his luck, um, doesn't have it together, and he's sort of like this 80s joke of a man, like has been washed up. And he wants to, he ends up restarting Cobra Kai as like this cool, badass karate dojo. Um, and it sounds kind of like light and dumb, but all straight, straight up, it's a great show. It, this clips I've seen are very good, it's, and I was never super invested in the Karate Kid world. Me neither. What it does is take what was such, um, you know, what was an ultimately wrong ar- classic story structure archetype of like good guy, evil villain, especially that like kids playing karate, like the. It takes that and gives it the nuance that now we can look back and say, well, all right, well, here's what's not so great about those movies. And not just the crowd of kids, but any, any mass media movie, you know, large audience movie would have hit the same exact notes, same exact theme, the good guy, the bad guy, mean stepdad or whatever, what have you. <laughs> um, and it satirizes those, it throws them on its head, you get... All these different, right, they both end up having their own karate dojos in some way, shape, or another. So you have, they both get to play good guy and bad guy to one another. Um, they're, he's training a kid who's sort of the good guy, but then 
uh, Karate Kid is training Johnny's kid, who's like yes. a strange kid because he's sort of a fuck up dad. Um, so now is that kid the good guy? Is that kid the bad guy? It's like all these different, they play with it in a really cool way. And part of it's just like that wholesome, good dad role model theme that I think, I, it's been a long time since I've seen the originals, but that was a big part of it, right? It was like fatherly role model to I kind think of so, yeah. get the kid on the right track when he didn't have one. When you don't have a father, you find yourself a replacement father figure who teaches you how to yes, kill people with that. your hands. To our dadless listeners, go find a new one. I mean, any man will do. Maybe an ex-army war criminal. Maybe a kind old Asian man. Yeah, you see a drunk guy living on his lawn. That's daddy right there. That's that is a daddy. Because your dad got shot and killed. Oh, is that that what Karate Kid is about? No, that was a biggie. Oh, okay. I was gonna say like that. That kid, like he had it rough because his dad got killed. But like you know, he got to meet Will Ferrell. And this show has some dark shit. Um, oh yeah, I, I've seen some dabbles. Yeah, so I recommend it. It was a ride. Nice, a real nice time. A real, real fun ride. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess that's uh, about all I got. I already talked about Giri Haji. Watch that if you haven't yet. True. Um, and so we're moving on. To a little something we like to call here at Dern after reading Little Dern. Ooh, that was a good one. Um, this week I got to watch something extraordinary. Truly one of the best short films I've seen in quite a while. It's called Fight for Your Right um, Revised, I believe. Yes, Fight for Your Right Revised. And when I originally proposed this to you, you thought it was just going to be some like commercial for new blah blah like you it was like a cop out or whatever uh, you said something right negative. i said this sounds like a cash I, grab i don't think it was okay it was really good um it starred everyone ever all of the the main characters of the three beastie boys are both double cast as a younger and older set of comedians and then every background character is a famous comedian ranging from Will Arnett to Maya Rudolph. <laughs> Literally ever anyone you see is someone incredibly famous. Yeah, this list is nuts. And it was directed by Adam Yonch, which I did not Who realize. Is of the Beast. Yes, he boys. is one of the boys. Um, it is made by um, Austin. In fact, I, I share um, not abbreviations. Um, Eskimo Brothers? Yep. Oh. I fucked Adam Yonch. That's wife. not... I was... Okay. I was, um, I thought you were just going to say Adam Yash. Like, no, he's not. MCA, and those are my initials. He is MCA, Max mm-hmm. Cosby. You're so close. Crosby. I, I read your mail earlier, so I know. <laughs> it's uh, produced, or it was made through um, Oscilloscope Laboratories. Oscilloscope. Oscilloscope, that's it. And it's just like that. It's <laughs> still wrong. It is. I don't care. It's a logo that, like... I haven't seen it so long before a movie and I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. And it was. You start with like a dim, grungy staircase and you hear like very muted Beastie Boys music playing. And slowly you work your way up and then you see the top floor and there's light and smoke coming out. And then you see what you might think are the three Beastie Boys piling out of the room and running. But they are not the three Beastie Boys. They are the following grown actors. 
Elijah Wood, Seth Rogen, and Danny McBride. <laughs> and they were playing the Beastie Boys. And then, like, they're coming down the stairs, and they're like, yeah, can you believe we poured Spanish fly into the punch? And then one of them was like, ah, I smashed the TV with a sledgehammer. That was crazy. And they're like, where'd you even get a sledgehammer? And he's like, I brought it from home. And then at the bottom of the staircase, they run into two adult parents who are played by none other than Susan Sarandon and America's sweetheart, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> and which this whole thing is a trip. Oh, I see the list of people. but I'm And like, they're, they're just like, what were you doing up there? And they were like, we, we were at a party at a friend's house. And they were like, that floor is vacant. And they were like, our friend just moved in. And like, there's this every interaction between the boys and somebody outside of the boys is just very... It's like awkward improv comedy, which I imagine this whole thing was probably just improv to a level. And it's so perfect. Because, like, they just have such, like, chaos, rock star, party boy energy that it feels true to what the Beastie Boys probably lived when they were, like, at their peak Beastie. And they're, like, super, they're, like, dressed up like the Beastie Boys, like, um, um, what's his face? Elijah Wood has, like, the phys ed shirt, like, the high school phys ed shirt, and, um, he is, he plays Ad-Rock. And it's just, the set, I'm almost 100% sure, is the Paramount um, New York City Brooklyn set, which I've been on. I'm pretty sure it's... good. I am. I believe you, even if you're wrong. I'm pretty sure the set they filmed on was that. And it's just, I don't even know where to go from here. It's so good. They're like, they bust into a bodega. Danny McBride throws a trash can into a closed bodega's window in slow motion and it's just such a badass scene. You, like, it, do the right things. Kind of. But they just want beer. So he okay. breaks in, they grab beer, and they're walking down the street, like, in slow motion, shaking the cans, like, spraying beer everywhere. And then they throw a can across the street and accost Will Arnett, who's in a full business suit. And he gets hit, and he's like, come on, come on! He's like, what the, you browsed about? And then he walks <laughs> up the street. Oh, and it's just so, so good. And then it starts to be a music video, and they're, it's to uh, make some noise the Beastie okay. Boys song and they're like walking down the street and it's in like that fish lens really cool Beastie Boys music mm-hmm. video look and it's like low angle and they're just like taking turns doing the beats okay. and it's just so good because they're like you know famous comedians and they're act they're doing a really okay, good so job okay so all these okay so I don't know tell me more about all these famous people I, I'm getting there, there okay. there's a big scene coming up okay. but um yeah I don't, like it's just it's such good set dressing. Like it looks like the beat, like the Beastie Boys, right. New York, Beastie like Boy. Brooklyn, yeah. and like it. Their setting, everything is dressed so well. The cars. There's like a guy washing his car, and he's just like dressed like you would be in the '90s, and it's like late '80s, early '90s. Cool. And then they bust into this restaurant. They grab a bottle of champagne from a waiter, and this restaurant <laughs> is patronized by most of the celebrities. We have Ted Danson playing the head waiter. We have his wife, um, Mary Steenberg, and just there. Um, that guy. You mean just there? No, just, you don't. Don't, um, don't for, run for a split Steenberg second. Again. You see Laura Dern like with excited eyes, drinking from a flute of champagne. <laughs> um, Steve Buscemi plays like an underling waiter. It's so crazy. And Wait, then they more. I need more Steenberg in. She's just that. Like literally, you see her face she's for like a second, a... responding to the Beastie Boys trying to steal this one bottle of champagne. <laughs> and then they throw one of the boys. Throw one of the boys out of the window. Okay. And then the bo- <laughs> you refer to them as the boys. At some point in this altercation, um, Abrock gets stabbed with a like a steak knife because a few minutes later we cut to them in a limo with some like punk, not punk rock, like heavy metal groupie girls. Okay. And then it, you see, like it, it's doing this weird cut where it's just like um, 
Elijah Wood and one of the girls, who I still could not place who it was, but she had, like, a big fake wig on. I think that was why. I'm gonna say it's Chloe Sevigny. It might have been, but one of the other girls was Maya Rudolph, and the third, I believe, was the... Ooh, man. It was... Kirsten Dunst. Yes, it was Kirsten Dunst. Um... But yeah, they're in that car, and then it freezes on Ad um, Rock for a second, and it's like he—it's him saying, "Little did they know that the heavy metal girls were tripping on acid." <laughs> One of their boyfriends dosed their mint mouth drops without their knowledge, thinking it would be a fun gag. And then the girls like, "You guys, here, take some of it." No, they're in the limo. It cuts from that, and then it's just them talking. Like there's scenes where it's like intense and music, and then it's just like everyone talking and no music. And it cuts to that, and they're like, "Yeah, Adrock got stabbed. That shit was crazy." And then the heavy metal girl was like, "Here, take some mouth drops." And then they're tripping balls. They're like walking down the street, and it's like really trippy visual. It's like a when I saw Motley Crue in concert, which happened. Um, they had the they had these video effects when they would like do people on solos and it would be like that trippy like trailing of like mm-hmm. it's like when you shut like that when you drag something on a frozen windows computer and it just right. like when it's you like, when you win when you yes. beat solitaire I mean, it's like that but fast. them like walking down the street and all that stuff is happening yeah and it's re- also they're doing like whippets and cool fun fact i did whippets this weekend for the first time in years good for you still a blast i believe you so, listeners, go do some whippets. Also, their limo driver is played by Will Ferrell, who has a silver tooth. We both got Will Ferrell. There, we did. And he That's comes back true. later. But they're, like, tripping balls. And they see, And then it cuts to a full white limousine that Will Ferrell was driving. And he's on the roof of it, wearing a mariachi costume and hitting a cowbell to the beat of, like, a Beastie Boys beat. And it's just like this, it's just like this 30-second <coughs> clip of him doing that. And like it's on the it's on this like the studio lot like in the New York setting, mm-hmm. and it, it cuts like every direction, and you see right. like the see cameras the and the lights. They're all there shooting. At you once. see the equipment, and it's cool. just so hilarious just seeing him like hitting it. And then it cuts to him just driving and still hitting it. Was this like filmed in a day? Like everyone was there? I don't. It it mustn't have not taken that long, but I, it's coming like. There's a lot of, you can tell, like, there's times they were shooting when it was, like, early in the day, and then there's times where the it's, like, a cloudier sky, and then, like, evening. So it probably was just, like, two or three days. Gotcha. Um, then a DeLorean pulls up. Like, they're tripping, and then the tripping cuts. <laughs> like, when they're tripping, everything is kind of sepia tone and yellow, and then it cuts. And then they see a DeLorean with a... What? What is it? I'm just reading what you're about to say. A DeLorean with, like, a rolled-up black-and-white checkered fabric on the roof and out of the delorean this is i was hoping it was going to be the real beastie boys but it wasn't it was the older future beastie boys and those beastie boys are played by will ferrell jack black and john c Riley. and honestly i could not pick a better older world version of um danny mcbride than john c Riley. yeah i feel like I think the that might same... be an insult to john c Riley, but probably also you. they're probably only like six years to separate it but <laughs> still just and then they're basically like, man, you don't know how bad the future is. Also, you're not cool because you weren't there. And then they they proposition them to a dance-off to see who the real B-boys are. <laughs> I think Will Ferrell said that line. And just, oh, man. It's getting good. Um, they're, and then they struggle trying to get the dance floor off of the top of the DeLorean <laughs> for, like, five minutes of real time. Like, they're trying to cut it, the older ones. And the younger ones are just sitting on a stoop like... 
this is crazy. Like, they're here from the future. And then one of them is like, but this could be a different future. We could change this. And they're having this deep conversation. And then one of them... they're trying to get the... And then Elijah Wood walks over with a knife and hands it to Will Ferrell, playing his older self, and says, like, here you go. And Will Ferrell's like, thanks, man. It took a lot for you to come over here and help me, and I really appreciate that. (laughs) And then they have this ridiculous, funky, fresh dance-off, which is both hilarious and actually really good. Considering, like, you know, it's a bunch of adult comedians. Like, they're just, like, yes-anding and, like, improv-classing their way through this dance-off in, like, a a fisheye lens, and it's so cool. And then they just all start pissing on each other. Um, What? They whip out their dicks, which you don't see, but, like, they're obviously just holding a hose, because the piss streams are insane. This is really what Yeah, they piss next. all over each other, like, just, cra- like, they're on each other's faces, and this is the scene where it's, like, super, like, really good, like, golden hour, like, morning daylight, yeah. and they're just, like, pissing, there's piss everywhere, they're all pissing, there's water everywhere, they are soaked, and then the cops pull up, and it's, like, they pull up, and it's, like, this really, like, dank-ass Beastie Boys beat is playing, and you know who comes out of the fucking cop car? Alicia Silverstone. The Beastie Boys. Ah! I was, I knew it was gonna happen, but, and I was hoping it would be all that it was, and they're the cops, and they just, like, beat ass on everyone, and then they pull off, and then you just see the caption, um, to be continued in 25 years, because this video was commemorating 25 (laughs) years since the original Fight for Your Right came out. And that's it. Amazing. So, in my head, that was, like, that short film was like what three and a half hours long it was half it was like 28 minutes cool but the last five minutes or so are just the credits and it's just a over the credits is a slow motion cut of them doing the the um, original music video like overlay oh cool but like it's the original one with the new actors so it's just them in slow motion doing the beer shaking and like the oh nice mouth sinking and all that that's very cool. But yeah, I would, it's on Vimeo How'd for How'd you get free. Vimeo? Vimeo. Um, it's like a Spanish cut, but everything's in English and there's no subtitles, so it's good. But it's incredible. Like, it's hilarious. I love that um, one of the Beast Boys directed it, and it just seems like Capitol Records was uh, came up to them like, hey, 25 years, what do you want to do? Yeah. And he was like... I've been I'll directing. I, yeah, he's I'm, like, I want to make this. I've got some dreams. And it's funny that, like, you know, it's pretty good, and it's like... It's a really, like, good, well-created, like, mindful thing. And then it ends with them pissing on each other, and then the Beastie Boys are playing cops and break it up. Right. It's really good. Adam Yonch, thank you for all your service. Rest so you got peace. a better Dern Farrell than I did, I'd say. I really did. That's also, he plays two roles in this. Yeah. Also, this came out in 2000... Farrell, Dern Farrell. 11. 11. Shortly after mine. And I'm actually just looking quick, because I know Adam Yonch died not too soon after that. He died in 2012. 12. Oh, man. Okay. Sad. May yeah. 4th, 2012. So, yeah. I would say if you have half an hour free, watch this, because it is hilarious, and it has... Literally, you cannot watch it without finding someone you like. If not for, like, a second. Yeah. Um, Nick... I'm looking about at about ten celebrity names that Nick did not even. Name. Oh, there's it, it, there's so many, there's so many. Amy Poehler, which I didn't even see. Like some of them are literally like walking down the street. Right, and you just don't like even, a random frame. I think they spray beer on Rain Wilson walking with someone. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, good shit. Oh, they're they're going to get breakfast because the bodega isn't open, and Rashida Jones walks by, and they're like, hey, you want to get breakfast? And she's like, yeah, right, you turkeys. And then she keeps walking. <laughs> There's just... The, it's so funny how much pull the Beastie Boys had at this point. Yes. 
and they could just get literally they could get everyone from Susan Sarandon to Steve Buscemi and good for them Laura Dern showed up for a second I'm very Jason Schwartzman also played Vincent Van Gogh Wow, he, that was he says field. he speaks no words. He is only on ca- on screen for ten seconds, absolutely tops, and he's just sitting outside the cafe at a table, and he, his head is wrapped up like his ear is cut off, and he he has his black hair. He didn't dye it; he's just right. there, he's... and he's credited as Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> so, oh wait, there was one other person I was wondering. Oh, that's so cute. Um, there was a girl with long hair. She almost looked like Slash. She was wearing like a flannel, and she skateboards towards the Beastie Boys at one point. And then, um, what's his face? Danny McBride takes the skateboard and then skates into the street and gets hit by a car. But um, that was played by Adam Yonch's daughter. Oh, that's so cool that he. Little Yonch. Yeah. Good for. Oh, she was also in The Beguiled. Oh, Interesting. Which was a that? very spooky movie that I saw in the movie theater. I think. M C A J. Oh gosh. Well, Max, I have a hard out at 7 o'clock, so... Let's fucking wrap it. I gotta pee. That's, that's me too, man. Both gotta Dibs. pee. Um, this next week, we're gonna be watching... You're gonna be watching a short called Back Beyond, which is a montage of unused scenes from Paul Thomas Anderson's films. Oh, no, Paul Thomas what? Anderson's The Master. So you're watching... You, you asshole. You're watching the you, deleted scenes for a movie that movie I didn't, didn't watch. watch. Isn't what, it funny that... What are they that, called? Um, back Beyond. Isn't it hilarious that um, you watched all the behind-the-scenes stuff for Mon- Mulholland Drive, and we still haven't watched it? It wasn't Mulholland Drive. I don't care. <laughs> it was that worst David Lynch movie. And I get to watch a movie that actually sounds really good called Focus. Focus. It is a 2001 American drama starring William H. Macy, Laura Dern, and fucking Meatloaf for some reason. And it's about con artists? No. No, that's it's, a different one. Yes, it's, it's about... Um, a man in the waning months of World War II is mistaken for a Jew by his anti-Semitic Brooklyn neighbors, and then suddenly he finds himself aligned with the Jewish community in Brooklyn. And it sounds really interesting. interesting. And it's an Arthur Miller play. Oh, yes, it is. I did not even see that. Good for you. But yeah, um, Meatloaf's in it, so I'm astounded. I'm I'm excited by any movie that Meatloaf is in, really. Spice World, this, Rocky Horror. Spice World? You start with Spice World? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if I had to rate his cinematic accomplishments, Rocky Horror is definitely top, followed by probably Spice World, followed by Fight Club, then anything. I mean, I'd I'd flip Rocky Horror and Spice World, but otherwise. Uh, I don't know. That's fair. You're allowed to have opinions. Alrighty. Cool. Um, I think that's it this week. We'll see you next time. Uh, oh, what'd you learn from Dern this week? Um, she can play Delilah, and that she's always sweet. I want more mean Dern. Let's get I like do. a bad bitch. I mean, we have some. I think we have Marriage Story next week. Oh, oh, I should have said. Oh, that. Oh, son of a bitch! The fabric has been broken, and you get to watch it. Yes. I still need to see it. Maybe I'll watch it too. Yeah, maybe we'll watch it together. A little Dern's don't matter anymore. Um. Yeah, that's true. Like, I think your very first one, she was like a, a mur- she murdered Steve Martin or something. Oh yeah, that was such a good movie. I forgot about that one. Um, and I guess what I learned from Dern is if you're in a restaurant and the Beastie Boys come in and start breaking shit up, just smile and watch. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, I love you, Dern. Bye. Love you, Dern. Oh,